guys, welcome back to another sunny day in Scotland. Yay! This is sunny again. Yay! Lockdown. Nothing to do. Sun's it. This is fun. It's really not fun. <laughs> Put it that way. Today, I promise to keep the intro and outro small because... I know the last one I'd done when I was editing as well, I was just like, why did I talk so much? I don't know. But then I left it in because I could have cut it all out, but I thought, you know, people are bored and they need to listen to other bored people sometimes. So that's where you get it from here, <laughs> which is fun. Today I've just got something that I quite enjoy, which is not real if you like what's the word for that um hold on give me a second i'll think of it the occult the oh no it's gone i can't think of it at all but anyway there's lots of superstitions and ghost stories and beliefs legends loads of legends in scotland i mean one of the most famous legends in scotland is the loch ness monster and for anyone that doesn't know who nessie is then you need to open google and look up nessie because she is our spirit animal of scotland she lives in loch ness which is in inverness and she's lived there forever and she is word <laughs> why can't i think of words today when you don't die immortal yeah i got it so she's immortal basically because she's she's left forever well i don't believe that to be honest i believe this is actually true i believe that there is such a thing as the loch ness monster true story but there is not only nessie nessie was a name that someone way back in the day in Scotland gave to the creature that they seen but it's just like a, a sea creature so there's like an underground water tunnel for Nessie and all her descendants that can lead from Loch Ness to the sea so they can go out and like fish and stuff and Loch Ness is super deep so they're not surface animals something like that I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I just believe in that legend, okay? So does many other people in Scotland. Get off my back. Another so famous legend from Scotland is the haggis. Now, anybody that knows what haggis is knows that it's just a sheep's stomach filled with offal and oats and things like this. It's not, I mean, I'm vegetarian, so I've, I've actually never had haggis before. I don't think. Maybe like my mum tried to force me to eat it when I was a kid. I can't, I can't remember. I've had vegetarian haggis bought and that is the bomb. I love vegetarian haggis. I eat it like every week. I have it for breakfast sometimes. It's good. The legend behind haggis is that haggis is not that and it's an actual animal. And I'm not going to lie, I have been in many bars throughout the world where people have asked me, dead serious, is there such a thing as a haggis animal? And I'm like, all right, um, yeah. <laughs> now there's not, sorry to break it to you. 
if anyone has ever if anyone from Scotland has ever told you that there's an animal called the haggis that we like shoot and hunt and then that is what haggis is then they were lying to you and it was probably me <laughs> to be honest because I just love winding people up I think it's hilarious so yeah haggis is not an animal but it would be pretty cool if it was I mean we sell stuffed toys that we call like hairy haggises and they're just like cute little fluff ball things but yeah I mean haggis up in the hills it lives in the heather just goes to sleep in there that's what it is it's not true guys just telling you <laughs> so another of one of these legends that came from the 50s is the vampire of the gorbals now this one is one that i hadn't heard of before and I grew up in Glasgow. I didn't grow up near the Gorbals, so I was East End. And when I heard about it, I thought, oh, how cool would that have been to be a kid at that time? I would have found that amazing to have, like, this rumour that a, a vampire lived in the local cemetery in the Gorbals. And the Gorbals in Glasgow is city centre. It's, like, bang on the River Clyde. At this time in life, it would have been, like, slum central. It, it would have been poverty-stricken, probably not, like, running water and electrical things as we know it today, outhouses for toilets, things like that, like, poverty-stricken area. And the story goes that one day, this tale of a vampire living in the Gorbals Cemetery came to light through gossip and children and things like that. In the 1950s, this was a grimy, smoggy place and it had been heavily impacted by pollution caused by how close it was to the factories that had been churning out weapons and steel for World War II as well. And Glasgow was a highly industrial city very forward in that so living conditions at this time were rough and they were really overcrowded houses as well poor sewage poor sewage as well no running water so from this grew the story of the metal toothed spooky vampire in September of 1954, rumours began to circulate around the area that two children had gone missing and they had never to be seen again. So they just went completely missing. Nobody knew who they, where, who they were, where they were. Nobody knew. Just this rumour started going around all the, the schools and things like this and playground gossip that two boys disappeared in the cemetery. Loads of boys would claim that they knew who it was or they knew that their cousin had been involved in another disappearance, or, oh, it's actually my Uncle John that is the vampire and he stalks the cemetery at night, and all, all these, like, kids' stories of hyping up the legend a bit when they don't really know anything, to be honest. So they started nicknaming the Gorbel Cemetery for the nickname the city of the dead and they would basically dare each other to go in and try and summon the vampire 
one day after school finished this was a school of about 400 pupils as well they the kids had all decided that they'd had enough of this vampire stalking their streets and making them scared at night so the children all decided to go to the cemetery as soon as the bell went so this is 400 kids storming a cemetery after school i mean after school maybe like three four something like that with knives and wood like wooden stakes and all sorts of like bricks anything they could find like all sorts anything they could find basically because they thought i'm gonna take this guy in his own territory <laughs> so they were going like vampire hunting basically 400 like 400 kids at between the ages of 4 and 14 with their makeshift weapons and dogs and things and just turned this cemetery into absolute chaos with all these children pouring in to find this vampire. This is just, it's, it's hilarious that that even happened. It's hilarious. There was, I found a statement from one boy who was eight years old at the time and he is basically describing storming the city of the dead. So I'll read that to you. It all started in the playground. The word was there was a vampire and everyone was going to head out after school. At three o'clock, the school emptied and everyone made a beeline for it. We sat there for ages on the wall, waiting and waiting. I wouldn't go in because it was a bit scary for me. I think someone saw someone wandering about and the cry went up there's the vampire that that was that that was that the words the word to get off the wall quick and get the others away from it i just remembered scampering home to my mother what's the matter with you i've seen a vampire and i got a clout round the ear for my trouble i didn't really know what a vampire was at the time <laughs> so so this eight-year-old boy is like joining in the chaos. He doesn't even know what a vampire is. That's hilarious. Like that's just—it's just something that we would have done when we were kids. Like a hundred percent, definitely would have been hilarious. So basically, they never obviously found this vampire. But what was making the situation more hyperactive for the kids were. There was steelworks right behind the cemetery and it would send out like a red glow across the cemetery sometimes when they're obviously welding and things like that and smoke and dust. So it would have made an already creepy place where there's like trees and headstones so every time you look around you see something at the corner of your eye, you think it's a vampire and you're running over to a headstone basically. So... I mean, yeah, that's funny. I just find it, um, it, I just find it so cool that 400 kids decided to storm a cemetery because of gossip that was going about that there was a vampire there. And it was just, yeah, it was just kind of fascinating that that happened because it definitely would have happened if, when I was eight and lived in Glasgow if somebody turned around to me at that point when I was out like playing at the park that there was a vampire did I want to go hunt it I would have been like hell yeah let's go 
even as an eight-year-old child, I would have wanted to be involved in that. I would have just been along for the ride. I probably, well, did I know what a vampire was when I was eight? Probably. But even if I didn't, I would have still wanted to be involved. I wouldn't have wanted to miss out. Definitely not. So if something was going down, I was I was wanting to be the start of it. I was wanting to be right the front, finding out what was going on. Yeah, I wish I kind of wish it had happened when I was young because I would have definitely got involved in that hundred percent, hundred percent. So that's the Gorbel's vampire story, which I just thought was a funny story, basically. And there's not going to be, there's not going to be a. I should have probably said this at the start. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. There's not going to be a murder story today or, like, one story. I was more thinking about doing, well, I've just done, obviously, The Gorbel Vampire and Loch Ness Monster and Haggis. So I was thinking more, like, urban legends and things from Scotland. I've also found this one website that says 10 unique superstitions the Scottish still believe and I've not read it yet because I thought it would be fun to read it together and then you can get my reaction and see if it even is a thing or if I know about it so this is my first reaction to it basically all along the lines of like if a mirror breaks the bad luck you get from it black cat crossing your path lots of lots of these different things commonly held superstitions like this originate from scotland if you didn't know yeah we're quite infamous for our superstitions and being obsessed with things like witchcraft and things like that in the 15th to 18th century it was really big which i'll do an episode on as well because oh man i love reading about it there's the paisley witches and Curlops, they used to hang people there as well. Curlops witches. And, oh yeah, they're everywhere, basically. So, yeah, that'll be cool to cover at some point as well. But that deserves its own episode, in my opinion. And then, obviously, we've got things like Nessie and Haggis and things like that as well. So, the first one on this list is First Footing. And, yes, I do know what First Footing is. I hope you guys do. But, basically, it is the practice of when the midnight comes on Hogmanay which other countries just call New Year's Eve but it's Hogmanay that's what it is so the 31st of December is Hogmanay and then the next day is New Year's Day as soon as the the clock strikes midnight basically in Hogmanay it's the first person after that to walk across the threshold of your door so as soon as the bells ring, you should go to someone's front door. It's like a a practice that we do first footing. And you, you want to do it as close to the bells as possible because... And I don't, oh, I don't even know if you guys know what the bells mean. So the bells is midnight. It's New Year. That's what it is. Just in case you don't know. I just want to cover that. You always have to bring a gift of salt or whiskey or shortbread coal something something like that you it's just something small it doesn't like it shouldn't be like money and things it's just something that you like like you break bread together or like shortbread that you would sit down and have a bit of shortbread together or take a bottle of whiskey and you would both toast in the new year this kind of thing salt because obviously salt we're superstitious people 
salt is the main route to like a hundred things in the superstitious world like I'm sure it like wards off vampires and like you make a salt circle to keep yourself safe when you're doing paranormal things and stuff like that so obviously salt is on that list because we are a spooky bunch of people and we totally believe in all that anything less than that then you would pretty much be set up with bad luck throughout the whole year so again super super important that you do first foot someone after the new year as far as i'm aware hold on to read this one because that was just for me yeah uh uh-huh so as far as i'm aware it should technically it should be like a tall dark man bearing the gifts so if you were going over like for instance if it was my family my mum my dad me and my brother we used to do first foot into my grand she only stayed next door so as soon as the bells rang we would all go down to my grand's house and chap on the door and my dad would go first with the gifts which was usually shortbread to be honest and then we would go in and see my grand for like half an hour or something and then we go back up the road my dad would usually go first yeah so that's first footing and yes we do do that and if you don't you're going to get bad luck and you should definitely do it i don't think i have i don't think i know anyone in scotland that doesn't know what first footing is it's it is like you just do it that's that's it <laughs> and if you don't do it then you're getting bad luck so don't blame anything else for the, that goes wrong that year it's because you've done the first foot yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> The next one is May Morning Dew. And I, I don't know this one, I don't think. So I'll just read it to you because I don't think I know this one. Every morning on the first day of May, women across Scotland set aside their fancy moisturisers to seek out the true elixir of youth, the first May Dew. This practice is a remnant of the ancient Druid festival of Beltane. I've heard of that. I've heard still do the Beltane Festival when the pagans used to burn bonfires in honour of the sun by the way do that also my mum and dad always used to have a summer solstice bonfire and that was so much fun I'm actually going to start that tradition again and we're going to have summer solstice bonfire because that's super fun and I liked it a lot anyway back to this so they have a bonfire in honour of the sun to ensure another year of plentiful harvest May Dew was considered holy water by the Druids and thought to be a source of beauty, vitality and good fortune. Though the practice has weaned some, mm, yeah it kind of has, in the, last few de- in the last few decades. And then in brackets on this website it says, thanks Botox. Mm, that's good. Some Scottish women will rise with the sun to wash their faces with the May morning dew in the hopes of a year of fine complexions. Why didn't I know about this one before? I would have been going out there every May morning dew and waving my face on the grass. What? No, I've never heard of that one. I've de- I've heard of things in that one, like bonfires for summer solstice and winter solstice as well. Festival of the Beltane, that still happens as well. I was actually going to go this year, but now, obviously not so that's yep anyway let's move on to the next one 
White heather. Though its purple variant is more commonly known, white heather is considered a lucky talisman and should be usually worn by a groom as a boutonniere on his wedding day. Its reputation stems from folk tale of Malvina, whose lover Oscar dies in a battle and his messenger delivers to Malvina a spring of purple heather as a symbol of his love. As she weeps over the tragic news, her tear falls upon the heather and turns its blossom white. Malvina then pronounced, May the white heather, a symbol of my sorrow, bring good fortune to those who find it. Ah, I did not know that one. Well, I don't. I did know it. We do wear heather on your wedding day. Like men always have their little boutonniere with heather in it, hundred percent. Even if you're going as a wedding guest, you usually have like a thistle with maybe some heather, like a sprig of heather. A sprig of heather is good luck, basically. So I always knew what that meant and I do believe that heather's good luck I actually planted some heather in my garden because I believe it's that lucky that I should have some so I've done that but it's the purple heather but I'll tell you something see if I find white heather somewhere I'll be planting that all day long all over my garden 100% I don't even like gardening I don't even do gardening I just seen some heather and I was like this is this is my plant because it's Scottish and it's lucky and I need all the luck I can get right now so I'm going to plant it Luckily, it's not dead, so <laughs> that, that must be a good sign. But yeah, so I never knew the backstory behind that, so that's quite interesting. I like that. Hand sailing. Another popular Scottish custom is that of hand sailing, or placing a piece of silver in the palm of a newborn. Oh, yes, I do know this one, and yes, we do it all the time. I didn't know it was called hand sailing, though. I can't remember what we call it. Mm, we probably call it something else in the like in our area of the central belt because things have different names but I can't remember if I remember I'll put it on one of the pictures on Instagram maybe so basically I'm I'm not going to read off this one because I know what it is basically when a baby is born in Scotland and you're going out on a walk and the baby's in the pram or they're maybe in their carrier random people random strangers as well as loved ones and neighbors and people that you know around your town will put money in the baby's pram or the the little buggy things like this and silver is more lucky but more recently it's been notes and things obviously just because it's a lot more money now and yeah so but yeah silver it should be silver though like see the like the grannies that go around your town they'll definitely be putting like a 50 pence piece in because it's silver and they'll put it into the hand of the baby do you know what I mean then the mum takes put it in her purse and that's it but it's it basically ensures a life of wealth and prosperity and it says here the way the baby reacts to silver is also meant to foretell his or her relationship to money in later life. If they grab it tightly, they'll be frugal with their finances. If they should drop the silver immediately, they will be a spendthrift. I am the second. <laughs> Afro 
probably got silver in my buggy and like threw it straight out because I can't keep money to save myself for sure but yeah so I kind of knew that last bit that it said there that it was like to do with the keeping of the money but it's only reminded me by reading it basically so that's quite interesting as well black sheep I think I didn't even know this was just Scottish. That's crazy. The black sheep of the family. Everyone should have heard that at some point. I feel like that's really well known. It's the odd one out, basically. It originates from like a traditional superstition amongst farmers in Scotland and shepherds. And the colour black is strongly associated with Satan and the birth of a black sheep is said to be like really bad and it'll end in some badness or bring some bad luck to the flock of sheep and also if the sheep give birth to twins with two black faces that means that the shepherd's going to have a poor lambing season ahead as well so i do i do know that one but it's i don't really believe that one to be honest that's not that's not a superstition that I hold. That's more farmers um, and shepherds. Like it said, it's not really for like the everyday person in Scotland. You, we definitely use the phrase the black sheep of the family though, like all the time. But I think everybody in the world does that. So I don't think that's anything special to us. Maybe it originated from us though. Let's see what it says. Hold on. Oh yeah, it totally says that it originates from Scotland. So that's quite cool. Oh, Geisen. This is the next one. So, guising is what we call going out, like, trick-or-treating for Americas. And it's basically to do with, like, a Celtic festival where it originated from. And then Halloween is just, like, the American version of what we used to celebrate anyway. I can't remember who or what. Hold on, let me read this one a second, so... Yeah, it says something about the Celtic festival of Samhain, 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 where it was believed that boundaries between this world and the outer world became permeable, allowing spirits and demons to cross into our world more easily. The Celts thus began the practice of guising, or putting on a disguise so that they could slip past the spirits unrecognised and undisturbed and offering tokens of food to appease them. So basically that turned into the modern day tradition of trick or treating. But yeah, we still call Halloween, like we don't really call it trick or treating. We, I always hear people saying like, are you going out guising? Are you taking the kids out guising? Are, are kids coming to your door guising? That's what we call it. So yeah, and I mean, not gonna lie see when i was younger and i did live next to a graveyard on halloween we used to go sneak it down to the graveyard on halloween and we would take a candle with us and we would try and do a seance because why wouldn't you <laughs> so we knew that halloween was the time where the connection with the spirit world is at its most strongest if you believe that and I do believe that I don't see why not I mean I believe in ghosts so if you don't and you're offended by that I'm sorry but I do 
and when I was younger a hundred percent was like Halloween favorite time of year oh, still my favorite time of year but Halloween was the time that you were like if the Ouija board is ever going to work it's going to work on Halloween so let's do it in a graveyard in the middle of the night just me and my friend who was another girl and I swear we were only I don't know what age we were but maybe like 12, 13, something like that and we're like sneaking down to the graveyard in the middle of the night with a candle to summon ghosts. We were super smart people. <laughs> anyway let's move on to the next one, that's funny. The next one says Oh Baby, so I don't know what this one is. I'll need to read it to find out. Scotland also has many superstitions surrounding childbirth as until fairly recently, giving birth was a dangerous and ordeal for many women up into the 1950s. Scottish midwives or howdies, I've never heard it called howdies before, so I don't know where that comes from, but it's not from my era, would be dispatched to the home in the event of a birth to enact certain rituals to ease the process, such as unlocking all the doors and windows and ensuring that nobody in the home is sitting with their arms and legs crossed to help the baby into the world. Nope. Definitely don't do that one anymore. I mean, probably some people will still hold that superstition if they're having a house birth, but I don't know anyone that's had a house birth. Ever. So, I can only tell you from my point of view. I don't think that one is very well kept, to be honest. But I get the windows and doors anyway, because that probably, like, that superstition probably just arose from trying to get, like, these slummy houses that people lived in in Glasgow back then some air in, so that the baby had, like, some form of air. But then I suppose the air would have been all polluted as well, so I don't know. Rowan trees. Oh, this is the next one. I love rowan trees i think they're so pretty i love them i am um, you guys need to google what they are but they're beautiful trees folklore or superstition between behind rowan trees is that it's basically came from like the panic around the satanic and the practice of planting a rowan tree on your property as a means of warding off witches they are considered sacred by the Celts and the round tree is said to offer protection from mischievous 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 spirits and the evil eye. Midwives used to cook its berries into a herbal remedy for expectant mothers to help protect their unborn child. For that one, the only kind of superstition I knew around round trees was that it was like a protective tree. I didn't really know that far into it, to be honest. But I did know that if you have a, a round tree in your garden or nearby, it was considered like a good thing because it like offers your home protection. I would 100% have a round tree near my house. 100% because they're also really pretty, so that's fine. Shoes on the table. Oh, shoes on the table. God. I don't know how many times my mum had to scream at me as a kid 
to get my shoes off the table because it was bad luck. Now, <laughs> to be honest, I don't know why I would have put my shoes on the table as a kid anyway because now that I'm a bit older, I'm like, well, yeah, I suppose why would I put my shoes on the table? They would be dirty, but I suppose I probably would do it if it was like a brand new pair of shoes and you were like opening the box. And then I wouldn't even think about it. But yeah, it's unlucky like, to have a pair of shoes on your... It's like so taboo. I have had my gran, my mum, everyone, loads of people that I know scream at me about shoes on the table. So it's a proper big thing in my family at least. I don't even know where it came from though. So let's have a read and we'll see. So the origin of the superstition is said to have begun in the... Colliers in North England where after a miner's death his boots would be placed on the table as a mark of respect. Soon it came to be believed that placing your boots on the table while still alive invited death upon you and your family and the superstition quickly spread to Scotland. Hmm. So it's originated from England but we were a bit like, oh, aye, best not be doing that. Because if you tell Scotland or Scottish people a superstition, like, they're just going to have their back. And, like, you're just going to be like, well, let's just not do it anyway, just in case. Just in case. Just in case. That's it. I, I believe in all gods. Just in case. <laughs> like, that statement. I've heard that statement a million times from people, like, when people ask the, the question, what do you believe in? And then a lot of people I know, I'm like, mm, I can't believe in everything just in case. Just cover all my bases, you know? I kind of feel like that as well. You know, just cover, just cover all your bases, guys. That's what Scotland likes to do. <laughs> Going fishing. Now, mm, I don't know if this is the same as what I'm thinking, but let's read so fishing that's not right fishing communities in the Outer Hebrides and East Nuke and Fife were well known for their strict seafaring codes and customs God, I know there's like a million different superstitions that come from the islands that I don't know about half the world don't know about and there's a million sea superstitions as well too many to get into and too many that I don't know about and too many that contradict each other as well that I've read in the past. Anyway, back. If a fisherman passes a minister or a girl with ginger hair, he might refuse to go to sea that day as it was considered a bad omen. Any mention of a pig or a rabbit is also strictly forbidden on a boat as they're bringers of bad luck. If you really must mention the creatures, call them a curly tail or a bobtail instead. Salmon or the reed fish are particularly feared as they were a sacred animal of the Celts. So no, I didn't know that one. And that's the end of it. And that's, uh, that was disappointing. That felt like, that felt like a lot less than 10, if I'm honest. I'll find more for, and we can do like another little just chit chat episode where 
I'm basically looking up the stuff at the same time as you're hearing it and things like that because I think that's quite fun. Like I've just I've just had fun, just had fun for the last half hour. So I hope you guys have had fun as well because if not, then I won't do it. <laughs> I like re reading things like this or finding out what movie superstitions I don't know about. I'm trying to, I'm honestly trying to think as I'm talking, if you think I'm rambling, that's because I'm thinking, but trying to fill the silence, because I'm trying to think of a superstition that I live, like, my daily life by, but I can't think of any. Probably the shoes on the table. We do first footing, but that's only once a year, so that's not, like, day-to-day life. Mm, I do believe that silver's lucky as well no i can't think of one there's probably one that i'm not even thinking about i remember there's one from back when you were a kid right and this is this is something i don't even know if we done it because it's lucky i don't i can't remember but basically if you bought a packet of cigarettes for someone you would get so say there was 10 cigarettes in a packet okay you would give the person that got you the packet of cigarettes because you were too young to buy them or whatever, that person would get one cigarette for buying the packet of cigarettes. So you would be left with nine cigarettes. The next thing you would do before you smoke any cigarettes in the packet is that you take one out, you turn it upside down and you put it in your packet and that is the last one you smoke. I don't know why anyone used to do that when we were in high school, but everyone used to do it. I don't even know if adults done it, to be honest, but I don't know, it was a thing in high school and it was like a thing across like our whole generation and other like generations next to us as well, because every single time you were like with a friend that was going to buy cigarettes they would be like one for buying and then you would see the person like turn the cigarette upside down and put it back in the packet so I don't have a clue why we done it but it was a superstition of some sort it was like your lucky fag your lucky cigarette at the end so yeah but I'll I'll Google that for next time and I'll and I'll maybe ask some of my friends and find out why that ever happened back when you were like fifteen. I don't know why. But that's the only thing that comes to mind of something that was like an everyday superstition, even though probably half the people like me didn't even know why they were doing it. They just thought it was lucky that's all for today guys i hope you enjoyed this episode it's a wee bit different to other ones but if you did like it can you please rate comment and go on instagram go on twitter start a conversation with me because i love talking to people about loads of different stuff get right in so that i can talk back to you please that would be so much fun and i will see you in the next one okay bye Thank you.